Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. I'm broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. We've been spending a lot of time talking about the Commanders, their ugly road win, 24-16. But now it's time to go around the National Football League here with a little NFL hits. Every regular season matchup. There we go. Every head coach on the hot seat. The hit stories in the NFL. NFL hits on A1 Radio. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Mike Jones. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good here. So uh, we'll get back to the commanders in a second, but let's stay in the NFC East. Uh, I saw an article this morning. Jalen Hurts has regressed. I, I don't know if I agree with them, but uh, the Eagles have struggled in a few games this season, uh, including one against the Patriots, and then they took their first loss of the season yesterday. Okay, that's dramatic and overreactionary to say that Jalen Hurts has regressed. Um, you know, <laughs> two of those interceptions yesterday were not on him. Um, I also put that interception yesterday. Yes, he pulled the trigger, but that was a stupid play call. Um, you know, you've got the lead. Your defense had been lights out. Your offense was a little off going against a very good defense. Run the ball, punt that thing, make them go 90 yards with no timeouts um, to uh, to win the game. That wasn't going to happen. Uh, but, you know, their offense, Jalen Hurts the last three games had actually, their, their passing game was actually um, starting to click. I mean, A.J. Brown has had, I think, four straight 100-yard games. Uh, to say that Jalen Hurts is regressed is just, yeah, a little, little reactionary. Um, yeah, well, that's from, that's from WIP, people. John Ritchie. So I'm sure, you know, they're yeah. local guys overreacting after a loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talking to people, because, you know, I did something last week about the red zone struggles, um, and, you know, his accuracy in the red zone isn't great. But a lot of people that I talked to, talent evaluators from other teams, said teams know how to play them better now. So they know what to take away and what uh, to do to make things more difficult to them. So now it's on him to adjust and adapt, um, and also on Nick Sirianni and offensive coordinator Brian Johnson to figure out, okay, how do we continue to stay ahead of the curve? And so I think that's part of what we're seeing right here. Again, um, he can't help that that ball went in and out of Dallas Goddard's hands and into Quentin Williams' hands. He can't help uh, that um, that, uh, Deion- that DeAndre Swift fumbled that ball right after catching it. Also, you know, uh, Devontae Smith dropped that ball. He said it. He said, I dropped the damn ball. That's what he said in the <laughs> locker room afterwards, you know. And so that could have also changed some things. Also, um, you know, the penalties were not his fault. Uh, and, and some of the penalties were on uh, special teams that gave the Jets really great field position. And so it was definitely a team loss all the way around. Um, I think that they're going to wind up being okay. But again, there's a reason why the Jets were viewed by people as Super Bowl contenders when they had Aaron Rodgers. It was because they do have talent on that team, especially on their defense. Mike Jones with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, national NFL writer for The Athletic. Read his work online, theathletic.com. Follow him on social media by Mike Jones. Uh, Continuing here in the NFC East, uh, two-part question. Number one, do you know if Daniel Jones' neck injury is going to hold him out uh, next week against the Commanders? And then Giants as a whole, I mean, what the heck happened? This team was in the playoffs last year. Were they just lucky? Was that a fluke? Because they look like a shell of themselves this season. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of it also is the fact that um, you didn't have Saquon Barkley uh, because, you know, he had been injured and he was really the security blanket for Daniel Jones. Um, you know, yeah. running the football and being very uh, judicious with the passing game was their recipe for success. Uh, I think they were hoping that Daniel Jones was going to take some leaps forward this year. He is not. Um, and, you know, that's kind of why they're in this position. They paid the wrong guy. They gave him a long-term deal and then mm-hmm. just franchise tag Saquon Barkley when Saquon Barkley was the big reason why they had so much success last year. Um, will he be ready for the commanders? Uh, I still, still think it's kind of early in the week uh, to find out. Uh, to know, we'll, we'll, you know, should hear from them, you know, within the coming days. Probably might not know until like Friday um, if they'll happen. So, Commanders get the win, Eagles lose, Giants lose. Of course, I'll be rooting for the Chargers. Uh, what's your preview of tonight's game? Dallas three and two, uh, Chargers two and two, and I, I think you could argue the Chargers uh, could have won uh, a few of the games they lost if it wasn't for coaching. I, I don't like the decisions that Brandon Staley has, has made. I mean, uh, they've lost two games by a combined five points, so you could say that they could be undefeated. Should be a good matchup tonight. You know, it should definitely be a good matchup. And, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the chess match, what we're going to see uh, Kellen Moore um, and Dan Quinn basically going head-to-head, the former offensive coordinator of the 49ers, I mean, of the Cowboys, um, going against um, against uh, the, the defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. They obviously know each other well, but Dan Quinn, you know, uh, isn't as quite familiar with the personnel uh, of the Chargers the way that Kellen Moore is of the Cowboys. Uh, because, you know, he went against those guys every single day. So we'll see, um, you know, and what does Mike McCarthy do to, um, you know, put Dak Prescott in position to succeed? There's a lot of heat on Dak Prescott, but I, I really think that a lot of it has to do with play calling. Um, I asked around a lot of people, hey, what's happened to Dak? And these are the same guys who had told me, you know, the last several years, no, Dak is underrated. Um, he is underappreciated. He's very solid. They look at him now and they think, man, he's definitely taken some steps backwards. And what a couple of people pointed out is they think that he misses Kellen Moore. That guy had been in his ear his whole career. First as his backup and then as his, uh, um, you know, um, as an assistant coach. Um, and now he's gone. And so Mike McCarthy's got to figure out how to help Dak get comfortable, not put too much on him, but position him for success. And so, you know, they have a tough challenge tonight. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see – a lot of points put up on the board uh, from the Chargers because Kellen Moore is really going to want to stick it uh, to Mike McCarthy for basically making him the scapegoat, the reason why they didn't uh, you know, go further in the playoffs. Mike Jones with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline with some really good NFL games uh, on Sunday, including the early one in London with the Ravens uh, beating the Titans. Every week on Monday, I give out my winners and losers of the week. Uh, Mike, I'd like to hear who you think is a winner and a loser of the week, including uh, teams here uh, in terms of teams. I'd say for me, the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, they were lifeless uh, 14 days ago. Now they've gotten a couple week uh, wins in a row. Joe Burrow uh, is looking like he's getting healthier. And my loser of the week is the Saints. I, I can't believe they blew that game. I guess Houston's playing well this year with C.J. Stroud. But uh, I thought that the Saints really should have won that game. Yeah, you know, I expected more out of the Saints this year for sure. Um, I thought Derek Carr was going to be a really good fit. Uh, but they haven't gotten very much from Michael Thomas. You know, he was out with injury last several years. They thought that maybe he would be back, you know, and they've got a really good defense. But, um, you know, 
I've got to take my hats off to Bobby Slowick. Used to be, you know, the um, you yep. know, defensive quality control guy here in Washington when his dad was the linebackers coach. And I remember, you know, linebackers kind of joking and making fun of this little kid trying to show him how to, you know, do pass rushing drills. And now here he is, uh, you know, dialing up plays and really making C.J. Stroud look like uh, the best quarterback from this past year's draft. So I will give the Houston Texans be my winners. Uh, they've won three out of the last four. C.J. Stroud. He had gone the first five weeks without throwing an interception, did throw an interception this week, but shrugged it off and was able to bounce back and play well. Um, losers, mm, let's see, I think I'm going to go with Bill Belichick. Big, fat loser, losing to uh, Josh McDaniels and Brian Hoyer. Um, you know, just, they're a disaster. It, it's amazing, uh, but when you ask people around the league what's up with them, they say, look at the roster, look at the talent. There's not a lot of, you know, overwhelming uh, impressive team speed. They don't have playmakers. Uh, they just really don't have a lot to work with. And that goes back to Bill Belichick, who is the guy who signs off and you know has final say on all the personnel. So um, they are, they'll be my loser for the week. Patriots and Bill Belichick. Uh, yeah, I like that. Now one in five, and and I don't know if he makes it through the entire season. There's been some rumors about that. Uh, but the question we've been debating here locally: if Belichick is available. Should Josh Harris reach out to him next season to take charge of Washington? Um, I don't know. Does he have that fire that he still needs to? I wouldn't give him personnel say, um, for that's mm. for sure. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I, if you if you go a different direction, I think you should consider Eric Bieniemy because he definitely has given this offense a boost. But look look for a young, fresh approach, not a retread. I'm so tired of the retreads. Um, even if it is Bill yeah. Belichick, you know, it, that, that magic, I think, it, it, you know, we might have seen the end of it, uh, you know, when when Tom Brady left. <laughs> Mike, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Have a good one. Yep, that's Mike Jones. Read his work online for The Athletic and on social media at By Mike Jones. I'm Adam Epstein at AWOD Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. Got a case of the Mondays? You deserve an extra break. Stop on by Capital Ale House. I'm here every Monday, all right, from 12 to 3. Recapping Saturday's college football, the NFL Sunday slate, and getting you set up for Monday night football. We got Stubb producing the show today from the production room, and it, it feels so good to do a victory Monday, right? We had two misery shows in a row uh, last week with a misery Monday and then a misery Friday uh, with the Thursday night football loss, and we had a couple days to relax after that, and so feels good to be talking about a win and. Got a decent amount of callers to chime in. If you want to chime in right now, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. How are you feeling about the Commanders now that they got back to 500? They're 3-3 three and three with two division games in a row coming up. One of them, absolutely winnable in the New York Giants. Number two in the Eagles. I think you got to steal that game uh, if you want to make the playoffs. You almost beat them in Philly, took them to overtime, might have won that game if if uh, Ron Rivera went for two. And so all the opportunities in the world to get above 500, 
go on a two- or three-game winning streak here with the Giants and the Eagles as our next two opponents. The Sports Junkies can be heard right here on 910 The Fan or the Odyssey app Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. The Odyssey app is the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk. Gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, and pick up right where you left off. Jonathan Allen joins them every Monday at 9 a.m. And last week we talked about the do-your-job sign, right? Are the guys, how are they taking that, right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I saw a do-your-job sign on my door, I would go straight to my boss and try to have a conversation with him and tell him, look, you got to stop micromanaging me and let me do my thing because that that would make me feel some type of way about you if you're the manager and you think I'm not doing my job, I'd turn it right back into your face. You're not doing your job. You didn't draft the right people in the offseason. You didn't bring up the right free agents. And you know what? It's your defensive schemes that have failed us. Well, Jonathan Allen and the commanders, I think they took the high road. Here's Jonathan Allen explaining to the junks, clip number two, Stub, do your job, and they're having fun. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like it was one inspirational piece that helped us to victory, but I mean, it was a reminder of, hey, we got to do our job. Um, I know for me personally, the biggest thing I won, the biggest point of emphasis for me was having fun. And when I say that, I don't mean just uh, going out there and just BSing around. Like, we're playing the game of football, and I think there's times where defense can get uptight and get stressed and get worried about being perfect. And everybody knows that no one's going to be perfect. So for me, what I always try to tell the guys, or what I was trying to tell the guys all week is, let's just go out there and have fun. Let's go out there, let's play fast, let's play for each other, let's sacrifice, and let's just see how good we can be. And we went out there and we played free, we played naked, we played clear of mind, and I think it showed. And I think that shows what we can do when we do play fast and play free and do all the things that we talked about as a unit. That's a great quote there from Jonathan Allen. And, look, I think some teams around the league, uh, you might have had the head coach lose the locker room with a do-your-job sign. In Washington, though, we've got great leaders like Jonathan Allen who who took the do-your-job sign as a sign that, hey, we're not having enough fun, basically. What he was saying is we're so stressed out about making mistakes and and getting sacks and being a top-10 defense that we're not doing the little things and we're losing focus. So he took it as a positive. They, They did their job. They had fun. They created three turnovers, and got the 24-16 to win. And although Sam Howell didn't have a great performance, I thought he was much better than Desmond Ritter. And that's what it comes down to a lot of times in the NFL. Just got to out-compete the opposing team's starting quarterback. Ritter had two touchdown passes, 307 yards, but three back-breaking interceptions. Sam Howell, 14-23, 151 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles, uh, quarterback rating of 119 compared to 66.5 from Desmond Ritter. Uh, the folks at USA Today made a case for Sam Howell to be the winner of the week. They said, quote, by no means is he a finished product, and he still needs to sustain this production over a long sample size. But the second-year commander's quarterback, Sam Howell, is taking steps towards becoming a reliable option. Howell at old, ranks ninth in the NFL in passing, already over 1,500 yards, and is posting an above-average completion rate of 67.8. In the 24-16 win against the Falcons, Howell recorded his first three-touchdown game. He did it against a team that came into Sunday with the eighth-ranked passing defense, only allowing 190 yards per game. Yet, what has made Howell's performance this year so impressive is that he's doing it behind 
a tattered offensive line that has yielded more sacks than any other team in the NFL at 34 sacks. So some of those sacks, of course, are on Howell, but his ability to evade pressure and release the ball quickly should have give him some staying power in the league. <coughs> so my thing with Sam Howell is he's doing all the positive things that you need him to do. The negatives are the sacks, but I, I think you can co- coach that out of him, right? There's something about the way he was coached in North Carolina where it's like he doesn't believe in throwing the ball away. I, I don't think it's part of his game plan. I think, and I've heard people talk about this before, I'm not the first to say it. I think he was so good at North Carolina holding onto the ball and holding it and holding it, the sacks didn't matter because he would hold onto the ball and then run for 20 yards, right? Or hold onto the ball and then make a deep play happen uh, with his arm strength. So his ability to hold onto the ball in college was a positive. Well, now in the NFL, the game has changed. It's a lot quicker. You don't get the ability to hold onto the ball for more than seven seconds. You're going to take a sack after sack after sack. And they're not running these designed runs for him so even though he likes to run and he's got that mobility it seems like he's running and passing downs running up the middle well no Sam this is not a QB sneak design play where you can run up the middle you're running into your own guy or you're running right into the belly of the beast in the defensive line and getting sacked so I love Sam Howell because I think he's very coachable I think he's a positive guy I think he's got a bright NFL IQ and a bright future we just have to coach the sacks out of him because look everything else he's at an above average completion rate 67.8 gotta love that ninth in the NFL in passing yards with over 1500 yards those things are great all right the only negative is the sacks right you know we could say oh the negative is the fact that he has 13 interceptions already this season or he's fumbled the ball five times that's not the issue you know he's had one bad game where he had four turnovers against the Bills but for the most part, he's been really strong at holding on to the football. The problem has been the sacks, right? And, and I, look, part of that is that he's a young quarterback and that the game's moving quick. And when his first read isn't open, uh, I think it's almost like he's a deer in the headlights. He doesn't know what to do. He's like stepping up in the pocket, stepping outside of it. He's Like I said, he's running into his own teammates uh, more often than not. But it's coaching, it's coachable, and I think he can improve. Now, Team has to try to shift gears here from the victory on the road against the Falcons and prepare for next week against the Giants. That is going to be key. You cannot go win, loss, win, loss. You got to start getting these wins together into a win streak. You've already had a three game losing streak. How about you turn around and get a three game winning streak? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105 1 FM, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. So I've had enough NFL talk for the day. Now I want to talk some college football. And the Hokies got a big win at home against Wake Forest. They got to take care of the winnable games on their schedule, right? Pitt, not a great team this year. You won that one. Then you lost to Florida State. You bounce back with a win against Wake, and all of a sudden we could be talking about a team that makes a bowl game. Andy Bitter covers Virginia Tech. He'll join us next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a Victory Monday, broadcasting live from Capitol Hill House here in Innsbruck. Of course, we've been spending most of the show talking about the Commanders' win on a Victory Monday, but it's also a Victory Monday 
for our friends in Blacksburg, the Virginia Tech Hokies, who moved to 3-4 and four on the season, 2-1 and one in conference play with a dominant 30-13 performance against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, beat writer for Tech Sideline, it's Andy Bitter. What's going on, Andy? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and I was really impressed with Chiron Drones over the weekend. 20 of 29, 321 yards. I believe that was his three, uh, first 300-yard game, and he also ran the ball for 59 yards. What would you make of the quarterback's play? Yeah, Chiron is really starting to turn into a nice quarterback. Um, he, he threw the ball a lot better than I thought he would coming into the season, and it's not – you know, you don't have to put any qualifications on that, like, you know, throwing good on screens or anything like that. He just looked like a straight-out great passer uh, the other night, standing in the pocket, moving around uh, away from pressure and making throws, keeping his eyes up. Uh, so that's been uh, a very nice, uh, pleasant surprise, I think, for the Hokies here. And then, you know, obviously they, they knew about his running ability the whole time, sort of yeah. has opened up the ground game as well. So he's a true dual-threat guy out there, and it uh, looks like he can be a real difference maker. I know. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but that's why I was asking for Jones to start the season because I feel like he's kick-started this offense with his ability to run. Now you're seeing Tootin get a lot of runs. Malachi Thomas was good in the game against Wake. Uh, so, like I said, the run has now set up the play-action pass, and one of the best plays of the game was Jones um, finding Jalen Lane for 75 yards. He finished the game with three catches and 102 yards and two touchdowns. They got him in the offseason from the transfer portal. Jalen Lane has been a real impact player. Yeah, he has. They got him on that RPO. Uh, very well-designed, well-executed play there. Uh, you know, coming into the year, I thought Lane was sort of a sleeper, like maybe the best receiver they got out of that group. Now, Ali Jennings is great, and then he got hurt, so we didn't really get to see uh, what he could do this year. But but Lane had just this history of production at Middle Tennessee. Uh, had a huge game against Miami last year. Uh, very productive guy throughout his career. So I, I think I thought he was going to have a good season. And you know, as it turns out, moving up the the pecking order there at receiver with Jennings out, he's stepped in and done fairly well, going over 100 yards in this game. Uh, he's just a quick, shifty guy. Uh, can show breakaway speed like that when he's in the open field. They can line it up inside and out. I think he's a, a very valuable receiver. Andy Bitter with us here on the hotline, senior staff writer and lead football writer at Tech Sideline. So what was your biggest takeaway from talking to players and coaches after the game? Yeah, I think they're just feeling like this thing's starting to turn. Uh, You know, there were so many games where they thought they were close, and oh, if you don't give up all the big runs, then the defense played pretty well. Or oh, if you continue running the ball like they did, it would have been a good outcome. There's so many yeah buts. Uh, in the early part of the season, but they're starting to put some of these games together and actually win. Uh, and I think that's the impressive part because for so long, it, I think all of us were sitting here kind of going, is this actually going to work here with the way Brent Price doing things here and the coordinators he has and the players he's brought in? Just wasn't clicking on the field with wins and losses. So finally, they're starting to get some results to back up what they've been telling us the whole time that they think this thing is close to hitting. Yeah, it's a great point, and that pit win looking much better now after they knock off undefeated Louisville. So uh, the Hokies have a week off here. What do you think they're going to work on uh, over the bye week? I think they'll work on getting healthy uh, first and foremost. That's always the the primary aim of the open week. And then, you know, I think just the same stuff they've been doing before. And just because they 
stop the run in this game doesn't mean that you know the past big runs that they've given up aren't still out there. So they got to continue to work on that. And I think with Kyron at quarterback, it's just continuing to, to get more reps, get more comfortable in the offense, and, and continue to make plays because they've looked pretty good out there so far. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. And we look ahead to the rest of the 2023 schedule. How are you feeling about the Hokies' chance to get into a bowl game here? Uh, three and four overall, Syracuse, then Louisville, uh, Boston College, NC State, and Virginia. I see at least three wins, and I'm hoping for four. Yeah, I think I, I'm probably shifting now to more likely than not likely that they make a bowl yeah. game. They're, they're probably favored in four of these next five games. Um Syracuse kind of fell off there. NC State having offensive problems. BC and UVA have had season-long struggles. Those are road games, but if you're going to have road games, those are probably the ones that you ask for. Uh, Louisville is the one that stands out as the tough matchup, and they were ranked in 6-0 coming off a Notre Dame win until they go up to Pitt and lose. So all of a sudden that one doesn't look maybe as daunting as it did a week ago. So, yeah, I, I would say all these teams are, you know, outside of Louisville are, you know, middle to bottom half of the ACC here. That's definitely there for the taking. The schedule has shaped up well for them in the second half of the season. Yeah, especially if Jones can still, you know, keep commanding that offense and the offensive line can hold up and and help Tootin in in the running game. Uh, I feel pretty good about their chances here. Uh, so, a, a big part of this I wanted to mention was. Lane Stadium in Blacksburg is sold out, sold out, sold out, always sold out, and, and the place was rocking. I mean, how much have you noticed that that's impacting uh, the juice that the players come out of the tunnel with? You know, maybe a little bit. I, I, I think it helps uh, when it's a sellout crowd and it stays a sellout crowd throughout. Uh, that can be beneficial mm-hmm. near the end. It rained pretty good there for a while on Saturday, and I think that depleted a lot of the crowd, though. Uh, but, you know, they were still out there. They were still making noise. But there's times, especially at night, uh, when you get the sort of the full laden stadium effect. I think that'll be the case in this Thursday night or coming up against Syracuse. Uh, I would imagine that's close to a packed house. I would imagine that's not a crowd that's really heading for the exits anytime early in a game like that, you know, barring weather or something like that. So uh, yeah. I think it's been a very good crowd. And, and honestly, the fact that they've had four sellouts this year uh, probably says a lot about the fans considering where the program was. Yeah, no, I, I think the crowd could definitely impact the game against Syracuse. I've always said there's nothing better than Thursday night in Blacksburg. Uh, Andy Bitter with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Andy, who would you like to give a game ball out to someone that we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, Antoine Powell Ryland, the defensive end, uh, finished with four sacks in that game, three on the final drive to close things out. He's the first Hokie to have four sacks in the game since J.C. Price in 1995 against Miami. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> that's the only other time it's happened since 1987. Uh, so that's a pretty uh, remarkable accomplishment, and, and honestly a spot that, uh, you know, pass rushing end like that is something they really haven't had a, a super standout in, in a while. Maybe Amari Barno a little bit uh, for a while there, kind of came Daddy Nicholas for a while, but it's been, uh, you know, since Daryl Tapp in 2005 since they've had a guy with 10 sacks in a season. Uh, and Antoine Power Island is on pace to do that this season. Andy, great stuff, man. I appreciate you joining the show. All right. Thank you. That's Andy Bitter. Follow him on social media, Andy Bitter VT, and read his work, Virginia Tech, uh, for Tech Sideline. All right. Read him at Tech Sideline. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. 
here on the new sports radio 910 the fan now at 105.1 fm broadcasting live from capital ale house here in innsbruck as you can catch me here every monday from 12 to 3 p.m visit any of their three locations in richmond downtown midlothian or here in innsbruck to take advantage of happy hour monday through friday from 3 to 6 30 including dollar off two dollars off draft beers three dollars off wine $3 off liquor drinks. They've got amazing burgers. I just ordered the Smokehouse Burger. I cannot wait to munch on that in about 10 minutes. But uh, should bring in Stubb. Stubb doing a great job producing the show today on a victory Monday. Haven't spoken with you much today. How was your weekend, dude? Good weekend. Very very chill. Lots of yeah. you know, the rain and all that. Did you uh, enjoy the NFL on Sunday? I did. I watched Red Zone for the first time, which I didn't even know existed. And that is yeah. for the, the best way for me to watch it because I have a yeah. poor attention span. <laughs> Red Zone's one of my favorite things. I, I watched it a ton uh, this Sunday. Uh, the, the thing about Red Zone is, though, it feels like they know something's happening. Like I, I, They'll never admit this. But they're on like a 10 to 15 second delay where they always pull up a game and they're like, oh, let's check in on the Giants. Oh, my God, look at that play. Oh, let's check in on the Falcons. Oh, my goodness, can you believe it? You know, like it, it, they it always felt like they do. knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's years of training and, and stuff. but Yeah, but it's not a Monday without us doing our Monday of tradition of going around the NFL and giving out the winners and the losers of the week here on NFL Hits. All right, so winners of the week here. Let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa is now first in the NFL in passer rating, first in the NFL in passing touchdowns, first in the NFL in passing yards, first in the NFL in yardage on first down, first in the NFL on completion percentage, first in the NFL in total yards. I mean, are you kidding me right now? Tua Tagovailoa on an MVP pace for the Miami Dolphins. Give me a ding for that winner of the week. Losers, the New Orleans Saints, right? I'm sorry, but you have to win a game against a rookie quarterback with Houston with C.J. Stroud. Uh, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to win that game. Now they're in a tight battle, 3-3 three and three in their division with the Bucs who are playing uh, pretty good. I think they're 3-2 and two, and the Falcons who are also 3-3. Three and three. Winners of the week, Cincinnati Bengals. 14 days ago, the Bengals were lifeless, right? They got blown out by the Titans. Titans aren't very good. Joe Burrow looked hurt. Jamar Chase was telling reporters that he was unhappy and the season was on life support. Well, now, consecutive wins, right? They enter the bye week now, 3-3, three and three, a chance to rest and regroup, and they're coming off of a win against a strong Seahawks team. That was an entertaining game, big Big win for the Bengals. Now they're right in the thick of things like once again in their own division with the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Cleveland Browns. That division, uh, very good this year. Not like they're going to win the Super Bowl very good, but I think three of those teams could make it into the postseason. Loser of the week. Got to be the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. The defense wins for Cleveland. All right, They deserve some credit there. You can give Cleveland a ding, but... This is a 49ers team that was in a pursuit of perfection. And Brock Purdy had not lost. Brock Purdy had not lost in the regular season in in second half of last year and the first half of this year. You know who gives Brock Purdy his first ever regular season defeat? P.J. Walker. Yeah, that's the loser of the week there for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Who's P.J. Walker? He was an XFL quarterback. P. 
P.J. Walker, former XFL quarterback, gives the 49ers their first loss of the season as Jake Moody misses a 41-yard field goal in the final seconds of the game. The worst part of the week, uh, of the weekend, though, for the 49ers might not have been the loss. The fact that both Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuels suffered injuries. Trent Williams was, was um, suffering uh, from a slight injury at times, and Brock Purdy had his worst game of the season, 12 of 27, and an interception, only managing to throw for 125 yards. Winners of the week. Got to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? They got two wins in London. All right, the London Jags win over the Falcons, then a big win over the Bills. They return home and get a big win over division rival, the Indianapolis Colts. And the Jags' offense was efficient. Their defense put together another stellar performance. They forced four turnovers, um, had three sacks on Colts quarterback Gardner Minshew. The Jags looking like the team that we saw at the end of last season and into the postseason. Loser of the week. Got to put Desmond Ritter on this list and the Atlanta Falcons. Like I said earlier, I believe Taylor Heineke wins that game. Uh, Washington didn't get a victory. They Atlanta lost that game. Atlanta lost that game. Desmond Ritter lost that game. Three turnovers, uh, including the game ceiling interception by Jamin Davis. The worst one was the throw to Benjamin St. Juice in the end zone. But you know what? Winners of the week? The Washington Commanders, who bounced back from the Thursday night disaster, the Thursday night fright, 40-20 to loss at home to the Bears with a road victory, now 3-3, three and three, and some momentum as they head to New York to face off against the Giants. One more winner of the week, Dan Campbell's Roaring Lions, right? My goodness. They look sharp. Jared Goff looks sharp. 30 of 44, 353 yards, two touchdowns. David Montgomery leaves the game with an injury. Didn't matter because Amon Ra, Amon Ra, St. Brown dominated 12 catches for 124 yards and a score. That was a tough game against the Buccaneers, uh, but they made it look easy. They were able to uh, get under Baker Mayfield's skin, force him to make mistakes. So Dan Campbell's Fighting Lions, my final Winner of the week. I appreciate everybody listening to the show today and all the callers. Celebrate here on a Monday as you get to get to smile for the next five or six days that the Commanders got a win against the Falcons. You're listening to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.